to Changing the Sales Game on webtalkradio.net. I'm your host, Connie Whitman. As always, you know I'm thrilled that you're joining us today. Now, I hope every week as you tune in and listen to the show that you really, I don't know how you can, but I really hope you feel my passion about this word sales and that, that vibe that's out there of this icky, sleazy kind of perspective. It's wrong, right? So I really want you to start to think about sales coming from a place of love, care, and respect. So that's what the show is about. And I hope between my guests and I, the little ideas, tips, strategies, and, and uh, things that we share on the show that you can take and implement into your life, your career, your business, whatever it might be. If you're loving the show, please, please uh, subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And if you rate and review, I love reading your comments. They do mean a lot to me. And I really want to make sure the show is relevant for you and your life and your business and your career. Now, my motivational quote today is by Jeff Bezos. And he says, if you're competitor focused, you have to wait until there's a competitor doing something. Being customer focused allows you to be pioneering. Now, I love speaking about sales, right? It's my jam and communicating effectively with our prospects, clients, et cetera. But of course, there is another side to sales, which is the whole sales support piece. And often that support comes through, whether it's back office personnel, call center folks, and other people that we need to make sure that we're doing what or delivering what we said we're going to deliver. I really believe that we need a team of people to be able to stay on top of all of the new technology. Again, that real live dynamic client engagement. And of course, making those deliverables, um, meeting, meeting our expectations of what we've promised. So how do we build that behind the scenes support? Well, of course, I'm glad you asked. And I have an amazing guest today. He's a hoot. He's cool. He's young. He's my kind of guy. His name is Richard Blank. Now, Richard's journey in the call center space is filled with a bunch of twists and turns. When he was 27 years old, he relocated to Costa Rica to train employees for one of the larger call centers in San Jose. Now, with a mix of motivational public speaking style backed by tactful and appropriate rhetoric, Richard shares his knowledge and trains over 10,000 bilingual telemarketers. Now, Richard has the largest collection of restored American pinball machines, which you'll see in the background if you watch this on YouTube, and antique Rocola jukeboxes in Central America, making gamification a strong part of his corporate culture. Now, Richard is the chief executive officer for, for Costa Rica's call center since 2008. He holds a bachelor degree in communications and Spanish from the University of Arizona and a certificate of language profici- proficiency. I can't speak from the University of Sevilla, Spain. So, Richard, thank you so much for being on and sharing your zone of genius with us today. Hi, Connie. So happy to be here. And I love your show. Your audience is amazing. And I'm definitely going to assist in changing the sales game and just making it even better. Amen. And that's that's really what we're here for, right, is to help people move the needle on whatever their journey is or wherever they are in their journey. So talk to me first, the idea of moving abroad and starting a company from scratch in Costa Rica. Like what? What? How how did that even come to be? Well, growing up in northeast Philadelphia, you know how it is during those winter times. You definitely are dreaming of sunny beaches. So that's number one. Yes. Number two. There's always these opinions that are provided for you and expectations in regards to going to law school or medical school. And I myself, my favorite class at Abington High School was Spanish. So I doubled down on it. 
went to the University of Arizona, was a Spanish communication major, as you were mentioning. And so I just wanted to make myself marketable, knowing a second language could open doors. Little did I know at 27, I had a one in a million opportunity to move abroad. And I worked at my friend's center for four years. I learned the business from the inside and out, not sea level. So I got to sit in the cubicles with the Ticos. I got to break bread with them. You hear the good and the bad. And you also got to see areas in which you can enrich the experience for not only the clients, but for the agent, the proletariat. I knew that when it was time for me to start my own business, and I did it in my mid-30s, Connie, I I will admit something to you. I needed to have some more maturity, impulse control, and some finances. But I did know this, and this is what I read most about you and what I really felt comfortable with is, It's the foundation of the people. It's giving them their dignity. It's showing empathy towards them. I'm not going to hit the ball and drag Johnny. I I want you to succeed. I'll bend you. I'm just not going to break you. And I want to see what comes best out of you. So those that work with me here, I always try to enhance their self-reliance and self-confidence so then they can start expanding and be a lot more expressive over the phone. And and. You're over the phone, you're losing body language. So your energy, your approach, your tone of voice, all of those that you have to be super engaged to be able for that to come through that element of care, right? Of care and respect that the client should feel on the end, other end of the phone. So you're right. And, and the other thing too, I find so fascinating, Richard, we were talking about this before we, we started recording the human component in business. I don't care what the business is. It doesn't matter matters. And yet we think we go in and we can demand and scream and yell and this hard nosed kind of leadership, it sucks and it doesn't work. So why is it even still around? Right. And and we all know the answer to that because egos are egos and people in those power in those power. And I'm, I'm doing air quotes for people who are listening on Apple podcasts. Um, they think they have power. They really don't. Right. Especially they don't have power over the human. Let's hope that people feel that way. So the telemarketing thing um, that you got into. Okay, let me back up. So you went to Costa Rica, you worked for your friends, right? In the telemarketing um, venue. And I was able to learn retention, customer support, sales, onboarding, human resources, affiliate marketing. And you were mentioning power that these individuals have might just, you know, try to break some of those misconceptions of the CEO. They don't have any power. The individuals can always quit. (laughs) And if nobody shows up, Connie, for your Chuck E. Cheese birthday party, obviously you have no friends. And so as much as you want to curse and threaten people, they have options. It's a seller's market. What I want to do, and I mentioned before, is to put fear into perspective. If any sort of fear, I'm going to let them know that learning a second language is 10 times harder than any project I'm going to put them on. Secondly, I'm going to reduce any sort of fear by giving you all the resources that you need. So there's no surprises. You'll have your script, your rebuttals. I'll give you the list, the CRM and the phone system. We'll also do some role playing. But how about this? This is my favorite part. You were mentioning structure over the phone earlier. And I, I think it's fascinating because in my mind, Physically, when you're looking at somebody, there is congruence where audio matches the visual. And sometimes people can wear a mask, either the clothes they wear, the facial expressions of their body language over the phone. My friend, I believe it's a much more pure form of speech. 
And so if you were mentioning active listening, we can use this for manipulation purposes. Yeah. You are reducing three of your senses, your taste, touch, and smell. So those don't even work. You're expanding because scientists claim that your senses expand if others are removed. You are in a controlled environment sitting in a cubicle. Yeah. And so I do believe that by listening, you should be hearing things in the background to have in common or to adjust the tone. But, but visually, I always believe books are better than the movies. There is imagination and adjectives. You can expand on your vocabulary. And so there are certain ways to uh, really capture what you're trying to explain to somebody or just close your eyes and imagine growing with a client and they can understand that too. And, and finally, if I may, I, I do suggest using the thesaurus because you can expand on your similes. The greatest sort of rhetoric would be diplomatic and with structure. And so for an example, instead of using words like help, I'm not going to help Connie. I'm always going to assist Connie. I would love to guide Connie. And I'm always there to lend a hand love to that. my friend Connie. That's number one. Number two, I'm never going to say, excuse me, what did you say? No, no, no. For my clarification or for my edification, these these are small swords you and I can fall upon. Not that you're right or I'm wrong. It's just a way to maintain the tone of the call, the momentum of the call, avoiding any sort of rabbit holes. How about this one? Exotic names. Like you got a great name, easy to pronounce. Same with mine. But imagine if you speak to someone with an exotic name. There's, there's nothing wrong with the military alphabet. It's really not insulting. It's in fact quite a compliment. Emails won't kick back. You might be the first one out of 20 people that can say this very unique, beautifully, phonetically sounding name a certain way. Yes. These are the sort of anchors that instead of selling, what we can do is we can focus on those sort of soft skills that we have with these individuals. So then once you reduce any sort of ego defense and any sort of resistance, then you could almost stutter, repeat or what, you could almost mash up your performance and the guy will still buy because they love you. <laughs> and so, as I'm saying, using names at a certain time for transitional sentences or for tie downs, focusing on trigger words like personal pronouns and where you could say your and are to capture attention because it's non-visual. And Connie, these are the sort of advanced telemarketing soft skills that we can do to give you balance, centered focus, so at least every call, you're exceptionally engaged and you almost make it more like a painting than a print because there's still, you know, you could still be spontaneous. You can still think of things off the cuff. And I think that's what makes every single phone call unique. And here's the thing too, Richard. And, I, and when I teach, you know, the sales stuff, I, I, it's got to be your solution for the client that's in front of you has to be customized. Because no two people's situation is exactly the same. And what you're describing by taking those soft skills, if you will, right, and, and um, really refining how you're approaching the client and using all of those, well, the senses, like you said, especially the tone of voice and the vocabulary, the word choices, right? But we can really dig in and customize what that customer needs from us 
right then and right there. And not only that, but if the, if the call center agent is really good, they can almost anticipate through that conversation. How can I be a planning partner? How can our organization be a planning partner for whatever that next thing in their, that person's life or that person's situation that might come from this conversation today? But everything should be customizable. Everything should be personal. Now, if they reject or they get nasty with us because they have a bad situation or they have a bad whatever's going on in their life, you don't take that personal and people call it rejection. It's not rejection. They're just responding to the situation. But how you respond and edu- I like the word educate and, and really listen, that act of listening. And, you know, humans, our attention span is down to six seconds That's horrible. We have to be engaged. We have to be present. And I think we forget to do that. And being on the phone, I think we have to be hypersensitive to that. Why don't we ask more open-ended questions? Let me learn more about you. Absolutely. And then we can keep raking things. So after you've explained things, why don't I repeat to you to show that I heard it so we don't have to do this again? Because a lot of times people repeat. And if you can do checkoff lists, if you can recap, if you can take it from, you know, horizontal to verticals and start stacking, yeah. knowing that's B, C, and D, you'll, you'll, you'll get to it. But why rush? And there was a show back in the day called Get Smart, where it showed the secret agent walking down that hallway and doors were closing behind them. The greatest thing, Connie, we could do is to close every door. Don't leave one open because after 15 minutes, you're not going to get the sale because you forgot one And so there's no rush. I also believe in pacing. You were mentioning tone of voice. My suggestion would have a confident and empathetic tone. Love it. That would be the consistent variable. I know that you were mentioning or people talk about mirror imaging techniques, and we can do that through body language. But phonetically, my opinion would not to match their tone unless they match confidence and, and empathy, but you should match their rate of speech and they're speaking levels, you know, with the cell phone or grandma, fast talkers, slow talkers, fine, so be it. But if there's any sort of cross talk or interruption, that is either a positive or a negative reinforcement for you to know that, Connie, I'm stepping on your toes because you're still leading this dance. We're still dancing. And so it's just an excellent gauge for you to adjust yourself. So when these people are pacing themselves, that's when you'll know to interject, to do the tie down question, the follow up, the clarification, the open ended. And you were mentioning attention spans. I mean, that's why you got the best podcast, Connie. You were on top of everything. It's I always believe it's more 30 seconds to two minutes, almost like let, let's think of it like this drinking, biting, breathing, and thinking. Let's all do bites and sips and breaths. I think information can be digested the same way. And so we call it desert pitching, where if somebody just talks for five minutes, there's no oasis, there's no rest, there's no water. Yeah, yeah. What are you afraid they're going to hang up? They'll hang up anyway. <laughs> you, might as well, you might as well divide and conquer and do smaller piles. Like Bruce Lee, when he walked into the dojo, And he beat up everybody. You know, he did a couple double shots, but usually it's one at a time. And so if I can slice your 10-minute conversation in the 10 one-minute segments that can get expanded through pauses and back and forths, it's a very good chance I can beat that and carry that. And you need to be in the now because that's where the balance is. The future, you're going to stumble. In the past, you'll be recapping. But in the now, you'll be able to know 
how they are speaking then. It's, it's easier said than done. It's almost yes. like when people practice lucid dreaming, they need to do certain things to be able to connect during REM stages. And I believe that during certain stages, there's ways besides pricking yourself or reminding yourself like, you know, inception with a ring that you're in reality. I always believe that while you're speaking, the greatest thing for me to do is breathing techniques because that's what boxers and athletes say. The number one thing is the breathing. And so while Connie's talking, I'll bring it in for four, hold for four, out for four, and hold for four. I'm still listening, planning my stuff, but it's reducing and giving me recharge. And it's amazing what that sort of breathing will do to somebody to give you your more composure. And I've seen that. And and I didn't mean to interrupt you. And and it's funny, but I loved how you said, and I'm going to pull a big nugget out of this, everyone. So when you said, you know, you're having this 10 minute conversation, which usually they're probably at a call center, 10 minutes, five to 10 minutes, you're, you're in, you're out, right? Because you do have calls in the queue. But even with the call center, if you have that 10 minute conversation, I love how you said, break it into 10 one minute conversations, because here's the thing. When you start to peel back that onion, you're digging a little deeper. So you're getting to whatever the situation is, good or bad problem or not. You're getting there faster because you're asking. And, and I like how I say in my world, uh, Richard, open ended questions are like a magic wand. If we can ask those open ended questions, you get that person speaking now you're really understanding what's going on in their world, their situation. I could better respond and help because I actually understand what the situation is. So that's those active listening comes with asking those questions. So I can have the best questions on earth prepared and usable, and I'm really good at it, but I don't listen for, for anything. Um, you're never going to be able to service that client at the highest level. And you said it before, even if you stutter or you make a mistake, but they know that you know your stuff, you're respectful, you're showing up for them, they'll have the patience back for you because you asked the questions you listened and you're actually responding to them and not 500 other calls that you just had, but you're really present for them. A 10 minute conversation, break into 10 one minute conversations. Love that little tip. Brilliant. And think of them as trees. How far down do the roots go? Yeah. And far out do the branches go? So besides a question, just like when you were writing a composition in English class, you have subpoints. The greatest thing to do is ask a second, third, or fourth follow-up question. That's Great right. example. You have a dog barking in the background. It happens when people are at home. I love dogs. So do you. Passive aggressively and inadvertently, I'm letting you know, put the dog outside. But then I'll say, what's the dog's name? And you'll say Jersey. I go, great. What kind of dog is it? And you'll tell me that sort of dog. How old is she? And then let's, you know, even though it's not selling, it really is, Connie, because for three minutes, we're talking about your amazing dog. I was polite about you putting it outside. You come back. And then once again, we're that much closer. Now we're doing foul shot percentages compared to three point percentages because you and I spoke about your dog. And you want to hear even the best part, Connie? I believe in positive escalations at call centers. When people ask to speak to our supervisor, it's usually negative, but if it's positive and they get a compliment, there's prizes and money that go with it. But also on the flip side, if I call a company and somebody assists me prior to transferring the call to you, I'm going to let them know they were amazing. Connie, I'll let you know how amazing they are verbally and I'll do it in writing. And I've seen that that has separated me from dozens because when I call your company back, and your assistant answers, not only do they remember me, 
I can tell you from the years I've been making these calls, most people say, Richard, you're the first person in six years that have said that about me. By the way, Connie's extension is this. Her birthday's on Thursday. She loves the color blue. And they start telling me a thousand things about your company. So when I get you on the phone again, it's happy birthday, Connie. You're getting a blue cake. And by the way, your assistant's the greatest ever. And then you're going to say, well, that's my daughter or she's been with me forever and she's my confidant. And so it's a happy Richard circle where everyone likes everybody. And if I get transferred around your company, even better. I'll speak to Billy in the mail room <laughs> and I'll talk to Tony in IT. And then you'll be like, how'd you get in touch with these guys? And so the next thing you know, I'm making nice before any contracts are signed. And that really shows the good faith that somebody has. So I'm just not a one in a done, Connie. I expect to get a hero's welcome when I come visit you because all these people I've spoken to prior to even working with you. And so I think that's what makes these calls much easier because you can be your real self. You don't need to press something or get out of character where you're uncomfortable. You can still go home and tell your mother what you do for a living. Yeah. And, and I have to tell you, everything you just said for me is all about respect. It's mm-hmm. respecting the other person's whatever the situation is, wherever they are in their day, whatever the problem or whatever, right? But it's respecting them from the human component. And I think that we have lost that element of respect, Richard. I don't know. I The way I sometimes see people and organizations talk with each other or ta- talk at each other maybe is more appropriate phraseology. But it's like I scratch my head thinking, wow, like I wouldn't have handled it that way. I'm not perfect, right? But there was a little bit of condescension or there was a little bit of disrespect in the tone. And yeah, you're having a bad day, but that doesn't mean the employee has to hear the end of it or that you should defer that negative energy or whatever is going on to the client. And in the call center, it's even more, I think, important that we have that tonality and all of those things of empathy. I like how you use that because we can sound empathetic in our um, in our conversational tone. But I think it really the word for me that as you're speaking, it's all about respect. And I think sometimes we forget. We just forget. I don't know. Well, I've, I've had to make mention to clients that their overzealous supervisors in New York, their tone, their profanity, how they like to write in maybe bold cap or something, it it might not be received well here and could be even misinterpreted. Don't write in red, don't curse. Um, Yeah, but that's how we do it at home court, but you're not home court. You're talking about respecting other cultures, that's number one. And and then also, I believe that self-improvement is from self-analysis. In my center, we have the luxury of the infrastructure of a quality control department. So the agents can not only listen to their calls, but we can professionally grade them through KPIs. Even if you don't work at a call center, any sort of vertical or industry, you can still record your phone call and listen to how you spoke. And you yourself will know if you were going too fast or you overextended or you didn't speak enough or you keep mentioning tone, if your tone was inappropriate where you might need to. And how about this one? Here's the best. It's not even business related. If you are given the luxury of time, especially in sensitive information, like with family or good friends, sometimes don't give an immediate answer. I I believe in sleeping on it, writing a draft, not sending it. Because the next day when I cut the fat and focus on what's most important, I've come back to people, apologize for my tone, realize what's happening, usually back and forth, not apologies of thank God we're speaking again. 
and let's talk about this. And so uh, you might say the marriage, Thanksgiving dinner, or even a client when you're huffy puffy at a moment or something is you, you judge character during chaos. Yes, I can handle things in the moment. But if there is not that sense of urgency and I'm allowed to once again reconvene tomorrow, there's a very good chance with better level heads. Yes. We'll be able to come together and move forward. Right now is more of a timeout. And I, I think that's a part of maturity as well. Maybe these meetings that you were witnessing of people with that sort of aggressive tone, cursing or just not being very polite or courteous with people, that could have been avoided. And then you got to walk that back. Or maybe you saw somebody, as you say, in their worst day ever. And then you ask them something work-related and they snap back at you. And so, you know, I, I don't, everyone does deserve a second chance. Agreed. And without prying, you and I can sit down and judge somebody on the 99 times they were great, not just the one times they spilled the paint in the garage. It's, it's okay. I love you for that, to be honest with you, because, Connie, it shows that you're not perfect. Yeah. And the fact that something happened and we were able to work through it means that our relationship is going to let we're much more seaworthy. We're going to last much longer than a very fragile situation where one minor thing could break and bring it all down. And, and so some of my best relationships are made during those tough phone calls where we have to make it through together. Yeah. And, and you just said something really important too. I know when I teach coaching, my manager's coaching to coach the employees after they come through my training. And the one thing I say to them is you have to do observation. If you don't do observation, you don't really know where the employee, their biggest struggle is or where they're lacking confidence that you can go in and help them build whatever the skill is, right? Because usually skill and confidence are tethered together oftentimes, yeah. but it's through observation. And I say to them, that doesn't mean you observe the employee once and say, okay, I could coach him now. It, it, that's not real because what if allergy season started? What if their allergies were killing them and they were so foggy in the head because they started taking their Zyrtec and that was the day you observe them. It's a false, your coaching is going to be off because you only did the one observation. So we really do have to, and I like how you said before, through that conversation, sometimes kind of sit back and then circle back at a later date, if you can, if the time allows, because then you can have better observations and or your own uh, discernment about what really went on during whatever the situation conversation was and how can I best support the client or the employee or whoever it is. And the other thing I wanted to mention, too, is the call center that you have the availability for the employee to actually hear and point out to them, you see your tone of voice here, how it shifted. I felt your frustration there. Did you feel your frustration? Well, your client felt the frustration. Did you see how they responded? Those tangible, telling someone what they're doing and showing them, like your, your example with having them actually listen, powerful stuff. And that's when I think we can really help people see, oh, but I didn't mean it that way. Yes, I was frustrated. Now they have a tangible example to change their behavior to whatever the proper or the better way of handling it is, right? That's what Excellent. you're describing. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Excellent. What about hedging? Hedging. Um, uh, okay. Or just wonderful, wonderful, wonderful when you're giving the answers. Maybe it's not wonderful. 
<laughs> Maybe yes. you got fired. Stop saying it's wonderful or one, two, three Main Street's not nice. And so right. a lot of the times if you're in an industry where you have to repeat back specific information like an intake coordinator, a lot of the times those are the times when you use a neutral, monotone, robotic tone, repeat it, confirm it, and thank it. Don't put emotion to it unless the guy's like, I've been married for 50 years. That's great. Congratulations. You know, but, uh, you know, just be very careful about locations and times. Just be neutral when you when you speak back to people because people can get lazy and start doing hedging. And that can start doing some um, rabbit holes as well. And, um, you know, I, I do believe in recapping. You could always say to somebody, I'm sure you like at least one. You don't have to beg for each one, but after you mention six or seven things, pausing in between for positive or negative reinforcement by their sounds, writing, typing, questioning, breathing, there's a thousand tell signs. That's right. In fact, the number one tell sign, Connie, is not how your tone rate or pitch. It's really about your answering speed. I always believe that's something that's subconscious that can't be manipulated or controlled as much as a tone rate or a pitch cursing or, or vocabulary semantics. And so when somebody gets thrown off, like when the police usually ask you the third or fourth tough question, usually the timing is off. And so that's when you were mentioning about the observation. That's the real observation. You're doing it non-visual and you're doing it without sound. It's almost like floating free, but you don't have any noise. It's you, how do I know? You do know because you're very engaged in the conversation that that silence actually speaks volumes more than what they're saying. And that's when you'll know to give or to take on whose turn it is. And, you know, once you see it, Connie, you can't unsee it. And the skills I'm talking about does make sense and it's common sense, but you were mentioning before people don't make it practice. It's not how they were raised. My sort of vision is more lucid because I've been making these calls for two decades. So besides <laughs> the monotony and there is some boredom, I was able to crack certain phonetic codes that I believed after tens of thousands of analysis show that these sort of placements in a conversation can assist you in prolonging conversations, or at least we're Northeast giving you 15 rounds and getting a decision, not a knockout. That's right. And that's the greatest thing. I'm not making 100 calls a day, Connie. I might be making 85 because my talk time is longer. I'm taking more notes. And so don't ever judge somebody on such rigid metrics because then you're taking away any sort of artistic ability to spend a couple more minutes to speak to Connie about how amazing New Jersey is and things like that. But it's true. And, and see, that it's so, it, for me, right, as a consultant, and especially like when I come in and do the training and then we do the coaching because the real learning happens after the training, not during the training. So that's why the observation and all of those things are super important. But it just exactly what you just said, we're rushing through the conversation. And I say to them, but why are you doing that? Well, because I have other clients. You're not, first of all, you're not that busy. Maybe in a call center you are because you have that queue up. But sure. if you spend an extra, we're talking one or two minutes with a client that might translate or two or three additional products or services within your organization that you might be able to uncover and sell 
and or like I said before, become that planning partner to help them say, oh, this is changing or this is coming into my business, my life. I am going to need that additional product or service. I just don't need it right now. But now you keep them in that loop, if you will, that there's an opportunity for them and you to work together again at X point down the road. We have to build that. So instead of rushing through these conversations, just again, I, I like that 10 minute conversation. It's 10 one minute conversations. When you just change that little bit of a perspective, I think it slows you down so that you can see those additional opportunities that are right there. We're just going so fast that we're passing them by, right? Absolutely. How about this, my friend? By taking your time, you're able to retain a client, okay? You're imagining upselling a client. That's right. Spending a couple more minutes, you might get a referral from a client. Absolutely. But let's think of this as two mature professionals now. Worst case scenario, all right? You also are able to get an exit interview from somebody. Yeah, but I didn't get the sale. Well, maybe if this individual told me something on what the competition had done to earn their business... That's right. What Connie and I could have done in order to keep this client, that's what's going to make us more money in the future. And so that is how the, every single phone call should be taken into consideration like that. Connie, mm-hmm. I can't agree with you more. And, and no more flinching, no more hesitations. You need to be bold and brave when making these calls. If you're doing something illegal or gray area, don't do it. No one is forcing your hand. Right. But if you believe in what you're doing, do it with good faith. Do it with good intentions, shoulders back, chest out, chin up. But use these sort of social skills. Yes. Where you can work a room, make friends. People will talk about you. And my main goal, Connie, is that someone remembers your name, not in the introduction, not in the conclusion, but if they say my name in the body of a phone call, that means I nailed it. I have connected with you. We're Connie, we're more than good to go. Like if my phone rings and you say, Hey, it's Connie, I know who it is, (laughs) you know, And, and that's the sort of relationship. That's the goal that you and I are always striving for in every call. Business is personal. And if we keep thinking it's not personal, I don't know about you, but I deal with other humans, Richard. I do not deal with aliens. So it's, it has to be personal. It has to be respectful. It has to be consistent. My follow-up, I'll, I'll make you laugh. So my follow-up is the last step in my, my particular sales process that I've used for 40 years, right? My, it's called CPR. And I tease because I say, you know, you have to keep the client alive, right? So the CPR, but it's consistent persistent. And for me, the big word, respectful follow-up so that we're not overstepping. It's the same thing you're saying on the phone that I'm approaching that person by the act of listening and the tonality and my word choices and my articulation and all of those things and the pacing, the momentum um, to match where they're coming from. All of these things, it's a little dance. It's all learnable that every one of us can do it but you have to want to do it. It has to matter to you. So we're out of time, but I, I, anything else before we, we close, before I close the show, Richard, uh, just curious, do you have anything else you'd like to add? Yeah. I, I just want to let your audience know how happy I am to have been here today to share ideas and mm-hmm. to not let the gray believers and naysayers hold you back. If you have a dream, then I think you should drink life and you should go for it. 
but be very careful of what you wish for, because one day you might get it. And so for me, this was a one in a million shot that have never should have happened. And so you see my smile. I'm grinning ear to ear with my jukeboxes, pinball machines and marry the girl of my dreams. And so I, I lived a very fortunate life. I left a castle, slayed a dragon and saved a princess. So fortunately for me, Connie, I became a prince. I love it. Here's the thing, though. I believe that things don't happen by accident. I think we create those happy accidents, if you will, in our life. By And I love it. Drink life, right? Experience things. Don't be afraid to challenge your comfort zone. All of that stuff. Don't hide in the shadows and be afraid. Live large, right? Show up, man. And if you mess up, that's okay. You're in really good company because guess what? Everybody messes up. <laughs> Nobody has perfection in their life. So I love, I love how you said that, but I believe you've created that luck in your own life. So it shouldn't be one in a million. You created that one in a million opportunity. So God bless you for that. I think that's amazing. Richard, truly a pleasure uh, chatting with you. And it's funny. I've never had anyone come on to talk about call center, but the call center oftentimes is the lifeline or the bloodline for most organizations organizations, especially when things are going wrong, deliverables, whatever it might be. You know, now we're having shipping issues. I, I don't know if that's the same in Costa Rica, but in Jersey, the whole um, shipping and, and transport of goods, the, everything is delayed. So people need my son works for a medical company and he's in the customer success. If they need that heart, whatever, and they can't get it, they're calling. They're not happy campers, right? Mm -hmm. How do you respond to that? So I think the call centers are often our lifeline, not only the support we need, but it, they can make a shine or they could put a little blemish on the organization as well. So it matters. All these things matter. Listen, everyone, I know you need more Richard in your life. He's in my life. I'm lucky, but you need him. So I highly recommend go to his website, which is uh, Costa Rica's plural callcenter.com. If you have a question specifically for Richard, you can email him at CEO at Costa Rica's callcenter.com. Uh, Richard, thank you again for being on, taking the time out of your business busy day um, and sharing your story. Just truly an honor. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you, Connie. I had a wonderful time. I, I hope so. I did. I did as well. And I hope you will join me weekly as we question, build and discover together that no matter where you on, on your business journey, career journey, whatever it might be, that between my guests and I, I hope we shed some light or share a tip or idea. You know how I feel. Information is a beautiful thing. If you do nothing with it, it's simply information. Please take one of the tips and ideas and examples that Richard shared with us today. Implement it into your life, business, teacher, support staff, whatever it is for you. Take the information, apply it in action, and watch the magic that happens on the back end. Um, thank you for tuning into uh, Changing the Sales Game with me, your host, Connie Whitman, on webtalkradio.net. I'm truly honored to have you on this journey with me. And I again, I hope that my guests and I provide some tips and strategies that you can implement immediately. I want magic in your life. We, Richard and I have magic in our life. We want to share that and do that ripple effect for you and create some magic in your life. So apply, inspire get out there and do we love you all thank you so much for tuning in and i'll see you next week have a great one be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode and while you're at it please leave a rating and review and share it with your friends tune in every week for more exciting insights and strategies on increasing your business's roi and always remember lead with heart and your sales will follow